1: Hi, welcome to The Pollsters. I'm Margie O'Meara, Democrat pollster with GBA Strategies.
0: And I'm Kristen Soltis-Anderson, Republican pollster with Echelon Insights.
1: And each week we bring you the polls driving the latest news in politics, tech, and pop culture. So we have a big announcement of more... Holster content from Kristen. Kristen, talk about your new fantastic
0: show. Yes. So if you can't, if if one hour a week of me yammering into your ear is not enough and you're just like, wow, I need more Kristen talking to me while I'm driving in my car, have you are in luck, my friend. <laughs> uh, so I, just this past week, um, big announcement. I have a new show, The Trendline, with Kristen Soltis-Anderson on Sirius XM channel 124. That's POTUS, Politics of the United States. It's their nonpartisan political channel. Uh, it, it is, the show is going to be a lot of interviews. It's an hour-long show. It first runs on Saturdays at 10 a.m., and then they re-air it a few times over the weekend. Uh, it's going to be different than than the pollsters. Here is where you come to hear hear about, like, we're going to dive deep on the exit poll methodology today and stuff like that. I mean, this is if you uh, we know our audience is a lot of amazing, beautiful nerds, and we are going to continue providing you amazing, beautiful nerd content right here so nothing practitioners
1: technical practitioners
0: nothing changes here at all you are still gonna have the pollsters all of the magic you have come to know and love nothing changes but if you also want to hear me interview young new members of congress and things like that um that's where you can you can check out on the trend line saturday mornings 10 a.m sirius potus channel 124 That is
1: so great. So you are the pollster of all media, and I'm so excited. So folks should definitely listen to that. In if you have serious, we are before. Just as in case you couldn't tell, we're gonna just do our best. It's a snow day here in Washington. My kids are downstairs. I can. I'm in the closet i spent most of my maternity break (laughs) recording the show from i'm back in the closet today so i think my kids are gonna be okay downstairs but i hear them i hear sort of like a baby elephant sound downstairs of them all kind of rumbling around so we're gonna do the best we can anyway
0: i'm down with them being guest hosts i think they have (laughs) i i I know your daughter has like lots of good thoughts and about she she is working
1: she actually has like a survey project that she needs to work on that we were talking about this morning like she had to get 10 to 15 respondents and do a chart in two different ways and it just like makes my heart swell, you know, like, well, let's call grandma. I'm like, and make sure you thank them for being a respondent. And she's like, what are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Thank them for their time. Anyway. Okay. What are the top lines?
0: The top lines are Margie and I went to speak at a civility cross-party conversation thing at Arizona State University earlier this week, which according to the polls officially makes us weird. We will talk about division in the country and We can officially begin talking 2020. It's time. It's presidential election season. Never sleep. Get hype. We'll also discuss, is it Mueller time yet? What are people thinking about the investigation? And a tale of three exit polls. There are multiple data points for us to begin looking at to analyze what the heck happened last week. We will discuss, as well as talking about some of the revised... uh, revised views on the blue wave and the polls accuracy.
1: Cool. Okay, so first, division and whether or not we've had this election. Has it changed how people feel about how divided we are? Certainly that was true in the exits that people feel that we're divided, that we're getting more divided. There's been some new polling that's come out since the election that confirms what we've seen. It doesn't really seem like there's much of a change in terms of feeling that, uh, you know, we're divided. So th- there's one poll. This is CNN. that said, do you think the country is or is not more deeply divided this year on major issues than it's been in the past several years? Eight, yes more div- deeply divided 81% said that this was in CNN and there's no real difference after the election than before the election before the election it was 80% so basically identical responses there um you, we uh, Axios and Survey Monkey did a uh, question how would you describe the other party how would you feel if a close family member Married somebody from a different political party? Maybe that's something you'll be talking about at your Thanksgiving dinners next week. I um, am the words that people use about the other party. I mean, they they show real divisions. I mean, this is it's hard. It it's hard to really take this otherwise. Democrats on Republicans call the other side racist, bigoted, sexist. That's number one. That's the thing that comes out the, the highest. I think this is an open end. Um, Republicans on Democrats, the one that comes out the most is spiteful. Um, I think this is an open end. It's not totally clear, um, but it, it with followed closely behind by ignorant. Ignorance number two for both. Both parties call the other side ignorant. You only have single, low single digits say things like thoughtful, fair, kind. I mean, you even have words like evil about a quarter or fifth uh, approximately of the parties say that the other party is evil and people don't feel you know most people say a majority say they wouldn't mind if a family member married someone from the other side from the other political party but you know depending on the party or on the group you still have you know not zero, pretty, a sizable chunk say they would be upset if a close family member, vote, you know, married someone from the other side. Democrats feel worse about this than Republicans do. Um, you have, you know, only 60 percent of Democrats say they wouldn't care. You have, you know, quite a few more, you know, the rest, the balance saying they would be upset in some way if uh, if someone in their family married someone from the other party. So what do you make of all that, Kristen? I mean, do you, I guess this is, I mean, I guess I'm not surprised that people still feel this way about the divisions. I I didn't expect the election to kind of resolve all these challenges. And some of these polls were done right before the election, but regardless, I don't, I don't expect this to just kind of go away with the, with any sort of election, no matter what the result was whether it was clear or lopsided or divided or what have you um it, it but it does show that we're, you know we have this whole long cycle building up to this election this moment and you know we have a change in power which we'll talk about in a minute but we still have this sense that people feel really unhappy with the way things are going.
0: Yeah. I, mean, I think in the exit polls, 76 percent of people said they think the country is getting more divided. It's not going to get more unified as a result of the election. They're probably right. Uh, and, you know, that was not a uh, people of both parties think that. Uh, I was also not surprised that the how disappointed would you be if a close family member married someone from the other party? The The fact that Democrats were much more likely to say they'd be disappointed that Republicans kind of lined up with that finding from before the 2016 election where uh, they said, you know, could you ever respect someone who voted for the other candidate? And like most Republicans were like, yeah, I could still respect someone who voted for Hillary Clinton. But it was like, A pretty big chunk of Democrats, I don't think it was quite half, but it was a sizable number said, like, I could never respect someone who voted for Donald Trump. So it's uh, that the the divide on that question kind of cuts in the way that I would expect, given the data that we've seen previously.
1: Yeah. And I think and I think that previous data point was Pew and Pew did something else where they asked, um, do you have any friends who are of the other party or voted for the other candidate in 16? And I think Democrats were less likely to have friends who voted for Trump than Trump voters were likely to have friends who voted for Clinton. If I, I if I recall that correctly. And Pew actually, as I was putting all this stuff together, Pew has a video, happens to have a video like, are we more divided now than ever? Is Trump the most divisive president ever? And, you know, they make the case in sort of their pew way through their video series, which folks should check out because they have a lot of good content there. You know how he in particular is more divided that there's been more division on a variety of issues, which obviously we've talked about a lot on the show. This is more, these questions are a little bit more about the big picture of feeling divided overall, which, you know, absolutely. The results are, are very clear, are very clear there. Um so I think that's, you know, that's, that's pretty, I mean, that's pretty interesting. And, you know, we have this break, um, you know, quote unquote break after the election, you know, some people are in the middle of recounts and, you know, going through new member orientation or changing jobs and other people are, you know, headed out of Dodge or trying to like take a little, you know, time out from, from all the hard work. Um, but when we come back and that kind of moment is over of the sort of election, new member, new Congress, everyone getting sworn in kind of moment when all that's done and people start to do work. Are we going to be in the same boat we've been, which is the sense that people are fighting, nothing's getting done, you know, the president's sending out angry tweets about members of Congress, like, you know, are are we going to just be in that kind of same place?
0: Well, another thing that might be the same is now the Democrats have taken control of the House. Will they have the same leadership or different leadership? Uh, and what will a Democratic majority in the House mean? Um, some polling here from Morning Consult asks people if they think uh, should Nancy Pelosi be, you know, she is the minority party, minority leader of the Democratic Party in the House. She was formerly Speaker of the House. When Democrats take control, should Nancy Pelosi be made Speaker, be not be made Speaker or don't know no opinion? Uh, and In news that may not totally surprise you, uh, younger people are more likely very uh, – the divisions are actually so small here. But, you know, given all of the talk about how, like, the Democratic Party has just elected a bunch of young people, um, it is also the youngest cohorts in the survey by very tiny margins that say, yes, Nancy Pelosi should be made Speaker of the House. Now, that is certainly because the younger cohorts are more democratic – as we have preached on this show forever. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it, I mean, it looks as though you've got overall 26% say Nancy Pelosi should be made speaker. 46% say she shouldn't, although any of those people who did not vote for Democrats, presumably their opinions do not matter a whole ton on this question <laughs> to the Democratic <laughs> conference. And then Your another 28% matter, say no but
1: you know. Well, yes, yeah, I,
0: mean. they're not giving me a vote in Democratic conference. Yes. So yeah, what, what do you make of all this?
1: So, so a couple things. I think, I mean, the first thing, I mean, here's what a lot of Democrats believe, and it's borne out by the facts, is that you've had Republicans running whatever they wanted to say about Nancy Pelosi in the negative uh, uh, for at least 10, 12 years, um, uh, and just attaching to her to basically whatever position they wanted to make unpopular that cycle, and she has weathered it all. Like she's, you know, she's still there. Like she's still there. You know, quite a few of the candidates who said they weren't going to vote for her did not win because they were in tough districts. Not, there's no causality there, but because they were in tougher districts, you know, she, you know, I, I don't know what the end result will be. As uh, you know, the leadership debate continues, it's like I'm you know, there are alerts happening right now, basically, as we're recording. So I don't know what's gonna happen. And, you know, you have Democrats in these questions basically divided between her versus somebody else. Um I, I you know, I think it's a real testament to her strength and fortitude that she has continued to keep on trucking, does not, you know, show any public uh appearance of taking all of this personally has continued to support and raise money for candidates running for office regardless of whether they have pledged to vote for her or not. Um and you know you've had Republicans really attacking her in this kind of personal visceral way that to democratic women seems quite in particular seems quite gendered. And you know when you ask people when you talk to people about it, you know they said, well, I don't know how I feel they they're not quite, you know, it hasn't really stuck. They're not quite sure who Nancy Pelosi is or what her job is or what it is that they're supposed to not like about her because you know she, she's just been used as this kind of like catch-all uh you know boogie person uh, on the right you know without being sort of filled in for whatever you know for any specific reason um and obviously the part the job of being a leader in any of the chambers is never a, a way to get national popularity i mean none of these other guys are popular i mean that's you know we don't have Numbers here for Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell. I mean, you know, these guys have never, these guys are not popular. I mean, none of these guys have ever had really strong national ratings either. So it's just not, you know, that's just not the platform if you want to be beloved by America. Um, So, but I I think the, the, where these numbers are you know, strong. And and when you compare them to how long she's been attacked and how many tens of millions of dollars have been spent against her all around the country. I mean, I remember races from, I think it was 2006 or eight or tens, like a long time, you know, years ago now, um, where they would show it was in Missouri. There was a congressional race in Missouri and they had an ad with, uh, you know, like, here's this, Here's the San Francisco party with like clinking glasses and, you know, and like dancing young people. And this is what Nancy Pelosi's like. I mean, she's been this caricature in Republican advertising, you know, forever. I mean, people not even running for Congress have been, you know, attached to her in their, in ad Republican ads, people who were never in Congress and are not running for Congress. So anyway, that's my non polling, not particularly polling based (laughs) rant about. Nancy Pelosi.
0: Well, it's interesting. I mean, in the in the morning consult poll, the way they word it is they talk about like it's kind of like an up or down vote on Pelosi. Should she be Speaker of the House or not Speaker of the House? And among Democrats, um, you find 48 percent say yes, make her speaker. Twenty four percent say no. Another 28 percent say I don't know. Uh, CNN asks the question slightly differently, where they say, if it were up to you, who would you prefer as leader of the Democratic Party in the House of Representatives? So it doesn't use the word speaker. Um, And then they look at just the Democrats and Democratic-leaning independents, and there the result is kind of similar. It's like 44 percent say Pelosi, 46 percent say another Democrat, 3 percent say no difference, 8 percent say no opinion. I mean, I I think you're right. I think you have to filter – to get meaningful answers on this question of what will happen inside of a democratic leadership contest. You can't just look at the top line numbers because Pelosi has been, you know, for folks who are maybe less politically engaged, like they just she's the boogeyman on all these ads. Um, But I think it is interesting to me that the party does seem fairly divided, although I'm also certain that if you ask that question about Paul Ryan or Mitch McConnell on the right, you would find similar things. As you mentioned, their numbers are low and it's not just because people outside of their party uh, will grumble about about leadership decisions that they make.
1: Right, right. Um, And so, you know, there's some other polling and I'm I am certain we will see more of this because you have a lot of different organizations, media outlets, media outlets trying to figure out, you know what do people want to see? What's the new Congress going to do? What priorities do people have? That sort of thing. Um, but there's already a little bit of that. And, and one question that I think this is CNN. You know, do you think the election was a mandate for Democratic policies or or a rejection of Republican policies? You have more, say, a rejection of Republican policies than a mandate for Democratic policies um, with, you know, partisan breakouts there. And then, you know, some... But what does that mean, you know, specifically? Uh, I think we're going to see more. I, I, I don't think I have it pasted in here, but things about, like, what should Congress do? And I saw, was this CNN sorry for not having it in here. I think they had guns ahead of like jobs in the economy, something like mind blowing. Um, and, and maybe it was morning consult that, that just came out in the last couple of days. So you're going to see more things like that. And are those polls one thing to look at when you look at those polls? Are they, do they explain specifically what the measure is or the proposal that they want? Or is it about the issue just, you know, boil down to one or two words, the economy or guns, or is it going to be something specific? I know there's some talk, I haven't seen polling about this, about voting, about, you know, automatic voter registration as a a priority. So look for some of that stuff. If you see it, definitely send it our way. Um, One specific subgroup of, Issues or priorities are are what's going to happen with uh, the special counsel investigation. Um, There's a little bit of that that we saw. There's something from Mom that just came out. Uh, A majority say the special counsel investigation should continue. 43% say it should come to an end. That's consistent with previous polls Monmouth has been tracking this. Other people have been tracking this. Um, 60% support requiring the approval of a pa- of a panel of federal judges before a special counsel could be fired. I haven't seen a question like that before, um, I don't think. 31% oppose that. Oh, I guess they've asked that before. They've asked that something similar in January. I missed that in January. That's. I mean, that's interesting. I mean, it's very specific. I mean, it's really you're asking people to kind of respond to something, you know, very legalistic and process related, but even there people say, you know, they, they support this, Of uh, they want to protect the special counsel investigation. Um, and then there's been a little bit of polling about Jeff Sessions of Monmouth and morning consult. I both asked this, uh, in morning consult, they say a majority believe that, uh, Sessions was forced out as opposed to wanting to resign. I'm not sure what particularly we learn from that, but, um, but they're divided on whether the interest in impeding the Russian investigation played a role. 46% say uh, it, that last week was his departure was part of an effort to hinder the Russian investigation. A similar say the resignation was not part... Forty nine percent say it was not part of any such effort. So, you know, some questions about the future of the investigation, future of oversight. I know we're going to see some more stuff coming out soon on that, um, at whether it's the investigation sort of writ large in the Justice Department or whether it's uh, Democratic oversight in Congress. We will see uh, how that evolves.
0: Yeah. And this was I got asked about this on Morning Joe this morning um, because, you know, you have Jeff Flake now saying he may be. Uh, a vote against or not vote to advance the nomination of judges until legislation is heard um, to pr- try to protect the Mueller investigation. And I, I got a lot of for some reason, I feel like the Twitter settings have like gotten loose because all of a sudden I got all this like, you know, n- people. Uh, let me frame this nicely. Uh, people who do not appear to read f- words. Uh, <laughs> uh. Suddenly, what was eng- the not nice way to say engaging <laughs> on the platform. Well, no. So, like, so they asked me. They're like, "Oh, Jeff Flake wants to do this thing. You know, Mitch McConnell's not bringing it to floor. What do you think's going on?" And I had pulled up the exit polls. Because I remembered in the exit polls, there's lots of bad news for Republicans. Right. You know, lots of, hey, you know, the voters who showed up don't like where you guys are at on guns or health care. But the Mueller investigation was one of the things where like a majority of voters said, hey, I think this is politically motivated where you had. Approve, disapprove of Mueller was 41 approved, 46 disapproved. So like I had the numbers on my phone and I was like, look, if you want to know why Mitch McConnell does not feel political pressure to do what Jeff Flake says he wants him to do on this, like look no further than this, which of course people who don't understand like what pollsters do thought this was me being like, yeah, of course, Mueller. C- <laughs> so whatever, I digress. But then like I I posted the screenshot of the CNN exit polls and I had some I don't know, Democrat bots that were like, yeah, well, who are the 18,000 people that took this poll? I'm like, all right, I'm not here to explain exit polls to you, buddy. And then but then you also had Republicans that were like, see, look, America wants Mueller fired. And I'm like, "Okay, well, that's also literally not the question that was asked in the exit polls. Like I just once I had posted the screen grab, I realized, oh no, I've started trying to play whack-a-mole with idiots on the internet and you cannot win whack-a-mole with idiots on the internet. So I have stopped. I, I posted my screenshot of like this is the data, because I wanted a brief Is this is this what a clap back is? I wanted a brief clap back and then I, yeah. I walked away. So anyhow, yeah. all of which is to say, like, clearly this monmouth poll shows people don't want Mueller fired they don't want the investigation to be shut down they you know this is you know it's slightly less support for the the investigation than january but not a ton mostly this year it has been like a partisan issue but for some reason bringing up that exit poll result just all of a sudden like my feed got foosh with cuckoo bananas so i'm just assuming it's russian bots just trying to stir things up i see you russian bots i see all of you I see all of
1: you. Yeah. I mean, look, if you are engaged enough to be, you know, hanging out on the Internet, tweeting people that you saw on television, then I would think that you would have some sense of what the exit polls were or their role. But, hey, I guess I am proved wrong. Just like somebody after we did something on CNN, somebody tweeted and me, they're like, and you call yourself an impartial journalist. I'm like, hey, I don't. <laughs> 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 I didn't even respond because other people were like, it just says in her bio that she's not that. You know? <laughs> anyway, so Internet's fun. Um, OK, so now a word from our sponsor.
0: Are you good with people? Maybe you're organized or have a knack for numbers. Well, then chances are you've got skills that could lead to a new career. A Google Career Certificate can help you get a foot in the door with top employers in fast growing fields like IT support, project management, data analytics, and user experience design. It's professional level training developed and taught by Google employees. And it's all online so you can learn around your schedule. Put your skills to work. Go to grow.google certificates. Okay, now that we're back, I do want to give some. Internet commenter kudos to one person who has weighed in as a knight defending my honor in the thread. Uh, a gentleman named Ernie, handle at Broburner, at Broburner is my hero right now. So another another uh, I'm sorry, I'm being snarky, but like, I just can't help myself. Uh, So in the screen grab, I mean, I just grabbed like the CNN politics, whatever, which shows it shows everything horizontally, right? You've got a row that's like, okay, this is the people who said that, you know, um, the investigation is mostly justified and they broke 85 percent Democrat, 14 percent Republican. And then below that, you have another row percentage who say this was politically motivated. 73% Republican, 25% Democrat. But like some people are reading it vertically. And so I have a couple comments that are like, aren't you a polling expert? How can you have a total of 107% of Democrats? (laughs) Um, And so (laughs) at BroBurner steps in and goes, did you think there was a slight chance you weren't understanding it? Add them up horizontally. They break down by approved by DR and no answer. <laughs> so anyhow, I did not have to play whack-a-mole with the morons on the internet because at BroBurner is doing the Lord's work. So thank you. Good.
1: Okay. Well now that <laughs> the internet's cleared up, let's talk about <laughs> We, we shut up. all the people on the internet we down. We're solving we lots of problems. Of we're them. solving we're solving all of it. Fix <laughs> first we fix the internet. Next Donald Trump um so despite the kind of rollicking couple of weeks uh the president's still basically where he's been 43.9 percent approve, 52 51 sorry 51.8 percent disapprove that's where he's been I mean you know it's the it's the same it's not really any different I mean you know he does things that people don't like but you know nobody's changing their mind at this point. Um, does the impact of the elections, I mean, there've been so many announcements in the last few days of people who are thinking about running for president. I just kind of boggles, I mean, it doesn't boggle my mind. I mean, we knew these announcements were coming. I was just amazed at how many were coming in in each day. <laughs> just kind of amazed that there were multiple ones every day. So that's interesting. Um, and you see a couple different polls have been talking about 2020. You know, right the day after the election, I think it was right after we recorded, Harry Enston tweeted it out, like, who's ready for some 2020? I'm like, I hope that is code <laughs> for, like, coffee or a breakfast sandwich. <laughs> because that is all I'm in the mood for right now. <laughs> that, that's it. But, you know, people are ready. So uh, you had uh, Sir- Axios and SurveyMonkey do general election head-to-heads of Trump versus a variety of ladies, Elizabeth Warren, Hillary Clinton, Kirsten Gillibrand, Amy Klobuchar, Kamala yeah, Harris, this is, uh, Oprah it, Winfrey, and Michelle Obama. Yeah,
0: I mean Oprah's favorability is significantly higher. Her net favorability is plus twenty-four. Uh, Donald Trump's is not. So, I mean, this is the the these female candidates and female luminaries all tend to have better. Um, All tend to have better favorability than him. Now, it looks to me like they are suggesting Hillary Clinton and Elizabeth Warren have less favorability than Trump, um, which is, I think, that chart over on the left. Like, you'll see their names. Or is that fave minus unfave? Possibly. That could be it. Uh, And so it's suggesting, like, how much better off are they compared to Trump? Um, I don't know that I love characterizing this as Trump's 2020 woman problem. I think it's like Trump's 2020 favorability problem. Agreed. I mean, first of
1: all, I mean, this is just, you know, this is, first of all, before we even, uh, we should say, none of this matters, right? The polling on 2020 right now for like, how do you feel about X, Y, and Z candidate doesn't really matter because people are going to be introduced to these candidates. Candidates are going to catch fire and come out of nowhere. We don't know who the field is, you know. Etc., it's we're not deciding through a national popular vote. I mean, there are a thousand reasons why these polls don't matter, except for you know, just where we want it, we just all want it. This poll, this one, I think, I mean, we know Michelle Obama and Oprah Winfrey are not going to run. Um, also, I think we can be quite sure, Hillary clinton is not going to run i mean despite mark penn's piece i think mark's penn's piece i mean if you go by previous mark penn pieces, the fact that he he says something therefore the opposite is likely true so i, I take it from that hillary clinton's not going to run God. <laughs> yeah come at me okay all the mark penn fans are going to come at me now great i'm waiting i'm going to wait for that oh, that's like the safest democratic position to take (laughs) um so uh you know so but then you have these other folks some of them who have already announced that they're interested or made some moves some of them you know we don't know yet um so uh, yeah it's he you know, Trump's woman problem to the extent he you can you wanna use that phrase, you need you can just look at the midterms to see to see that. You don't need to look at all only women candidates. We're not comparing women candidates to men here. You know, there are a variety of reasons. The headline is just kinda to get us all sort of excited and click, but we clicked and here it is. We're sharing it with you.
0: So I have a question for you because I am it seems less familiar with all of the potential Democratic candidates. Um, I am looking at this chart, which is from the Politico Morning Consult poll. Uh, S. Bullock. Is Sandra Bullock running for president as a Democrat <laughs> or is this somebody who is like, a, is there a Steve? Yes, the,
1: there's a Steve Bullock. From, oh, it is a
0: Steve. I was just yes. literally picking a an S name out of a hat. So No, he is the uh,
1: governor of Montana.
0: Fantastic. And um, there was one more. Oh, who is the S. Brown? Sherrod Brown. Sherrod Brown. I was like, it's not Scott Brown because he's the ambassador to New Zealand right now, which is my dream job. And if he ever <laughs> leaves that job to run for president as a Democrat, he's a fool. He should stay in Wellington. It's awesome. Uh, OK, good. Thanks yeah, for clearing Sher-
1: that up. Sh- Yeah, no problem. Sherrod Brown, you know, said on Monday that he is... Thinking, you know, that he's considering it. So he was one of the people who said that on Monday. And there's a Times piece about him today, right now on the on the front page, uh, center from Ohio who just won reelection. Um, so yeah, so that is that. I mean, this is the Democratic primary question that they asked in Morning Consult, and you know, again, the primary is not decided through a national vote, and candidates will you know, ebb and flow, rise and fall, enter, withdraw, etc. And so at this stage, this is a hard ID question as much as it is anything else. So if you look at it from a hard ID question, the people at the top make sense. Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, Beto O'Rourke, although I don't know Beto's national hard ID currently, but obviously, you know, he's gotten a lot of national attention. Elizabeth Warren. Um, in single digits and then Harris and Booker, Bloomberg above some of these other folks. I mean, you know, we'll, we're just going to see how all this shakes out with don't know, no answer coming in second, 21 <laughs> percent, uh, just edging out Bernie Sanders. So, um, you know, this is and that you have the that large number saying don't know with this long list of kind of everybody that's, you know. Everybody that people have been floating for the most part, not everybody, but lots of people that have been floated are on this list and you still have a high don't know. And I don't know if that high don't know is from like paralysis at at the incredible long list and not knowing yet or because they're not sure who all these people are or they're just waiting to hear more. Um, You know, it's it's way too early. It's way too early. So we, we don't know yet.
0: Well, the one thing that we do know or used to be able to say we know is, well, what happened in the last election. But now we have multiple exit polls to assess. So this past election, uh, you had uh, various news outlets that for a long time have used the Edison Research exit polls. Use them again. This is NBC, ABC uh, CNN, I believe, were the, the big ones. CBS, I think, used the Edison exit polls. But you had the AP and Fox News kind of go their own way, do their own thing um, with the AP VoteCast, uh, which AP VoteCast, I believe, you know, the, the traditional exit polls involves a mix of pre-election interviewing uh, as well as people standing at the polls interviewing people that day. The And your, your national... Exit poll sample size something like eighteen thousand. Um, the AP VoteCast there, and this may include their state polls. So I, I, it may be unfair for me to be comparing sample sizes, but they report a sample of ninety thousand, which is crazy. Uh, it's huge, and they have found some slightly different results. Um, it's really fascinating. There are some arenas where when you look at the AP vote cast versus the traditional exit poll, they line up. Um, But there are some places where they're pretty different. And then there's a third exit poll in the mix, which comes from Catalyst, a Democratic analytics and data uh, firm. And so then you have that, you know, also sort of weighing in on no, no, no. Well, this is actually who voted and this is how they voted. So lots to sift through. Um, I, before we did this episode, tried to look at them to see where were the biggest gaps. And there are a couple. First is the exit polls each have a different take on the youth vote. So the traditional exit polls showed that voters under the age of 30 were about 13 percent of the electorate and that they broke for Democratic candidates by like a 30 something point margin, like absolutely extraordinary. The AP vote cast instead says it's not 13 percent, it's actually only 12 percent and They broke for Democrats, but by slightly smaller margins, uh, closer to like the high 20s. And then you have the uh, you have the catalyst poll, which winds up saying, no, 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 actually, young voters, voters under the age of 18 or under the age of 30. That was only 9 percent of the electorate. These exit polls have so dramatically overestimated it. But they also broke for Democrats by a 44-point margin. So, like, this is a total choose-your-own-adventure situation. You Mm -hmm. can say young voters were a small piece of the puzzle size-wise, but they are super Democratic. You can say they were a bigger piece of the puzzle, but only kind of super Democratic. I mean, so, that like, there is—you also got the suburbs. I think that's another area where I noticed a pretty big difference um, in the— Exit polls by uh, Edison. They actually showed suburban voters breaking evenly between Democrats and Republicans, where the AP vote cast shows them break by an eight point margin for Democrats. Now, they may be defining suburban differently. Is that
1: self-report? Are both of the? I mean, the Edison is self-report is the AP vote cast.
0: Unclear um, in, in because the the AP one has suburban voters as. 41 uh, percent of all voters and they have urban as 20 percent where mm. it looks like the edison polls have more more people like they have very very few rural um they only have 17 percent rural they have so i think a lot of people who would normally count as rural are getting lumped into what edison thinks is suburban and right. uh, and uh they are also lumping a number of people who might be counted as suburban up into urban, so it, it may just be their definitions of suburban, urban, and rural are different enough that like that it's how dense you are. Like that, that one of them is just counting things as being denser than the other. Um, but you also the 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 catalyst poll also had the suburbs. Breaking House, uh, they they had fifty six percent of the electorate suburban, so they are really casting a wide net for what they think of as the suburbs, right? And they've also found up breaking plus eight for the House, so they they find the vote margin to be the same as AP, but they find the percentage of the electorate that is suburban to be bigger than both of them. Um, so it sounds like for each of these, you know, unlike gender, race, age, where there's pretty consistent ways you define it. It seems like there's a lot of flexibility here, but that is leading to, you know, you. So just buyer beware for our listeners. As you are listening to people pundit post-election, we now have our choice of what exit polls we want to rely on depending on, you know, what point we want to make. And I think people should be upfront about why they have chosen the set of exit polls they have chosen, what assumptions about the methodology they believe have made them most credible. I, for one, am very excited about the inevitable panel at APOR next year, where the Edison folks, the AP folks, and maybe the Catalyst folks are all up on the stage answering questions about how did they do what they did and why, and why is their exit poll the king of all exit polls? I am very hyped for this. So, I mean,
1: here's the thing, right? We were desperate, just like we're desperate to know, like through modeling and forecasting what the answer is going to be before Election Day. We just can't wait that long. We are desperate to know what happens, you know, that night. You know, we want to know it on Tuesday night, you know, no later than 5 a.m. Wednesday, right? I mean, that's when we want the answer. And the truth of the matter is there are, it's hard to get the exact, well, first of all, we've seen the answer evolve a little bit about the narrative. The narrative has become, you know, more democratic. You've had more House gains on the Democratic side and a variety of races still too close to call that have, um, you know, uh, uh, I think changed what, um you know, what some of the election night assumptions were about, you know, what happened. Um, on top of that, you have a variety of different exit polls that have different kinds of methodologies there. You know, there is no perfect way it is, you know, a very good way of figuring out why people voted and how they voted, because, you know, you're asking them right at that moment before they are influenced by the narrative and sort of what the conversation is. Then you have a lot of organizations that do election night or election week polling, we've done that. Lots of folks have done that. So you're able to ask the questions you want to ask. It might not make it into one of these exit polls, but, you know, at times you are, you know, you're interviewing people sometimes after the races are called. Does that change response rates? Does that change people's, you know, uh, assessment of why they voted the way they did? But at least you're able to ask people about how they voted so in that way it is like the exit polls and then you have voter file analysis which is going to take a little bit longer until we get all of that there you don't know how people voted you know how their area voted but you don't know how people th- themselves voted but you know actual you know not self-report, but, you know, more, I think, fair to say, more reliable kind of assessment of the of the voter file, you know, uh, facts on, on the ground of how the voter file looks in each of these precincts and districts um, matched to how candidates did in those areas. So there you're able to, you know, learn something new and have some kind of agreed upon definition of suburban that's not up to respondents to come up with and so on. Um, as an example, so and, th- and that adds to our understanding as well. So you have all those different inputs to kind of figure out what happens that we're going to be talking about for a while. So it is not just, you know, we don't have just the exit polls, although the exit polls are great and useful. We also have a variety of other ways of figuring out what happened.
0: Well, as we wrap up, uh, we should say next week, Margie and I are going to be on a Thanksgiving hiatus. No, uh, no pollsters uh, next week. Uh, but tune yeah. back into us after Thanksgiving and after you have had your pumpkin pie, uh, according to some, you know, highly accurate and methodologically sound polling <laughs> from thepioneerwoman.com. Uh, people's favorite. It's pumpkin a pie. show. Yeah, it's like oh, a yeah. f-
1: Food Network show.
0: Well I think that it started off, didn't she start off as a blogger? Like it was one of those like know. she was one of the OG, like internet domesticity cooking and and house life bloggers who then like show yes. up and became a thing. Um and according to a poll of presumably readers of the Pioneer dot com, what is your favorite pie? Pumpkin pie reigns supreme, forty one percent, followed by pecan pie at twenty-five percent, apple pie at fifteen. Chocolate pie at 8. And sweet potato pie at 4. And then what is your favorite Thanksgiving activity? Far and away number one, 54%. Pardon me, 55% I should round. Spending time with family and friends.
1: Do you think there's social pressure to respond that that's what it is, that that's what you prefer? Well, right? And, and they should have shopping on here because that's a you know Thanksgiving Black Friday, activity. Black Friday,
0: Black Friday. I'm so excited. Yeah. Go out at midnight. But I do not patronize stores during the day on Thanksgiving. I think that's wrong. I think that the the timer should start at midnight. I think you should let people have Thanksgiving with their families. But that's just me. But also yeah. cooking, eating, watching the parade, watching football. These are all things that are listed. And it looks like this was not a poll where you could choose multiple responses. I like to watch football with family and friends and then cook with family and friends and then eat with family and friends napping i do by myself but nonetheless <laughs> these things are all things these are not mutually exclusive i eat I am- while i'm watching the football game these are all you can it is which by the way i got to say i'm a big cheese ball person like the um like the big uh like it's a lump of sharp cheddar covered in like almonds Uh, Mm. Last year, they were sold out in the District of Columbia and (laughs) nearby areas as I approached Thanksgiving, and I was devastated. So I have already purchased my cheese ball for this year. That is my football (laughs) eating food. I'm ready to rock.
1: I, uh, You know, Thanksgiving's not really my favorite holiday. I have to say, like, football, on peak travel, overeating, like, those are things that, you know, those aren't, like, Things I like to do, generally speaking, or watch, or so, or like crowded, super crowded shopping. Um, So it's not my favorite holiday, Uh, but I'm going to be spending. So I'm going to be spending it here with neighbors and friends locally, which I'm excited by. Um, So that'll be good. It'll be good to like. It's nice to like stay in the neighborhood and not to, you know, draw. Like I've done that very heavy 95 yeah. DC to New York, you know, on th- Thanksgiving weekend, where it takes like two hours longer than. It does any other time. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing any of that. So that is that is good. And also we found another poll that shows that s- people anticipate spending on Thanksgiving to go up uh, to $175. So that's an increase over last year where it was $165. So, uh, it's that Trump that cost- economy,
0: Margie. Traveling. It's that most Donald traveling. Trump economy. <laughs>
1: Sorry. I. You know I what resist. we don't. I couldn't what We don't have no. You, you know, I mean, you would not know about it because he spent so much time talking about the caravan. But you would. Um. You know, I. So like, I think it was last cycle. Last year, rather, I said, "You know, don't you guys have this thing on the right? Like, how do you talk to your relatives at Thanksgiving as like a a hook, a media hook for talking about your issue? And, you know, nonprofits send out like talking points, guides to members, you know, members, but like, you know, people who donate or sign up for something like here's how you talk about whatever the environment or guns or what have you, you know, at home with your uncle on Thanksgiving. and, And you're like, what are you talking about? So anyway, we haven't seen any of those yet, I guess. Uh, I don't know if we will, and if we do, if they're coming out, we have not – we won't be able to talk about them till after Thanksgiving. But if you have one, we'll, we'll send it to us if your organization has one or if you have a poll like, here's our, you know, how do you talk about X, Y, and Z controversial issue, the elections, et cetera, uh, at your Thanksgiving table. Send it our way. So – key findings whether you think the election results were clear or not one thing is definitely clear we're still divided as a country and although given there is still given all that there's still some optimism about what's next for a democratic controlled congress and trump does he have reason to be optimistic about 2020 it's not quite so sure um it's going to take us at least a week to digest all this data and speaking of digesting have a great Thanksgiving. We will talk to you after the break.
0: You can find us on Twitter at, at @thepolsters individually at AtMarieGiomero and at Anderson at www.ThePolsters.com or on Facebook, where throughout the week we post links to the stories we think you'll want to talk about. Bye, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you next Bye. Listen to the trend line. <laughs> <laughs>